Today's reading comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 to 32. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, and it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to each other, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Amen. So last week, we started a short series called No Offence. And we looked then at the need to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry. And today, I want to talk to you about those people. Do you know? Do you know one of those people? Now, just take a moment to think through if you know. Don't point to anybody. Right? Just think through. If you understand what I, what I mean when I say about those people. Um, if you don't, then those people can be challenging. They are often critical. They can be controlling. They can be incredibly arrogant at times. They can be really hurtful. Those people know everything about everything. And they'll tell you every chance they get because they are always right. I hope you know now what I mean by one of those people. And I can tell from the looks on your faces... Many of you know one. You'll find them shouting up a storm on social media. You'll see them spreading rumors in the office or the workplace. There's almost always one at every big family gathering. It's kind of like a spiritual principle. When all the family get together, there will be one of those people there. And if you're thinking there's not one in my family, it's likely you. Today I want to talk about how you deal with those people in a way that honors who they are and shows the love of God. As followers of Jesus, we know that we are called to love and accept other people. We are called to love everybody regardless. And that includes those people who are often difficult. Social media uh, has made it harder than ever, I think, to uh, to interact and engage with folks like that. Um, and the world is very complicated. There's lots of trouble and difficulty and tension. There's a, a real lack of peace. And so if you find yourself, like I do, easily frustrated, often angry, or easily offended, I want to go back to the question uh, that I asked last week. Are you angry because... You want to make a point or because you want to make 
a difference. Too often for me, it's because I want to make a point. And that's not really helpful. And so I pray that the words of the Apostle Paul from our reading today will speak to all of our hearts. Because this is what he said, inspired by the Holy Spirit. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. The Bible teaches us that we are to be kind and compassionate. We are to forgive others as we have been forgiven by God. So Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, we've read, In your anger do not sin, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, and don't give the devil a foothold. Starting with, in your anger don't sin, which implies that it must not be a sin to be angry, which is good for those of us who sometimes are. We talked uh, about anger last week, and it's good to be reminded that being angry is not a sin. Acting out of anger can cause hurt and pain, and that's wrong. So we must try and work out what it is that's made us angry in the first place so that we can respond differently in the future. If you go out somewhere today and interact with people, or if you go online and interact with people today, if you open up your your news app or your social media, the chances are that you are going to be offended. That's the world in which we live. And I try to remind myself over and over again that there is simply no win in being offended. There's no victory in that. I've never found my life to be more joyful when I'm really angry and annoyed at something. My relationships have never become better when I'm angry at some injustice in the world. I've never become closer to God. I've never had better, more intimate conversations when I've been walking around with unforgiveness in my life. And so I need to remember that there is no win in living offended. But I'm likely to be offended. So what do you do? Well, I tell myself this, that being offended is inevitable. But living offended is a choice. Excuse the grammar in that, it just reads better. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. It's going to happen. But we can all choose how we respond to an offense. And so that's maybe why the Apostle Apostle Paul tells us that we've got to be really careful. If you hold on to anger... If you're nurturing an offense, if you're rehearsing the hurts that have been done to you over time, what you're actually doing, he says, is giving the the devil, you're giving Satan, the father of lies, the prince of darkness, you're giving him space in your life, what he calls here a foothold. You're giving him a foothold. 
I, I usually think of a foothold in relation to rock climbing. Not that I do that, but that's how I think of it. And regardless of how big or small, if you can get your toe on that foothold, you can continue to climb. The other way of, of thinking of it sometimes is, um, you know, when you stick your foot in a door to prevent the other person shutting it on you, it's a foothold. The Greek word that's used here is topos, and it, it simply means a room or a place. So you're giving the devil a place in your life. But there's another kind of extension to that. There is a, a definition of foothold which says it's a secure position from which further progress may be made. A secure position from which further progress may be made. In other words, if you go on and live in anger, you're giving the devil a place in your heart and room to work in your life. It might even be a place from which he can make even more progress in separating you from the life that God has for you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to give the devil access to anything that matters to me. I don't want my anger or my taking offense or, or, or my bitterness to give the devil access to attack anything that's close to me. I, I don't want him having access in my marriage. I don't want to give him the ability to attack my children or the people that I do life with. I don't want to give him access to any of those areas of my life. And Paul is clear that if we live in anger, if we harbor bitterness and are always easily offended, that's what we're doing. We are giving the devil a foothold in our lives. The Christian author C.S. Lewis wrote the book uh, Screwtape Letters, in which he imagines uh, a senior demon helping a junior demon to keep someone from faith in Christ. And they write letters back and forwards to each other. So imagine you are in a meeting with lots of other demons, and you are to, to decide how you are going to hurt the heart of God and to hurt God's people. You come up with a plan. What's the best way that you can come up with to achieve that? Well, I want to suggest there are three Ds of destruction. If I were in such a meeting, I would start off by trying to divide families, friends, and churches. I would try everything that I could to bring as much division as possible. You know, my grandmother, who thought the only people who were right were in the brethren. Well, that's her view, but it's not right. But it was what she was brought up with, and it's what she understood. But those things hurt other people, and they hurt us. It's fairly easy nowadays. Start talking about politics, sex, vaccinations, abortion, or music, or money, or buildings, all of which cause division because we have really strong views and opinions about these things. Many families, many congregations have been driven apart by their inability to acknowledge different opinions and different ways of doing things. But Psalm 131 verse 1 says this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together 
in unity. The thing is, if you go after unity, said we're going to be united, you're never going to get it. You're never going to get there. But if you go after Jesus, unity comes. The second thing I would try to do is to distract Christians from their mission. I would get them arguing about anything and everything. I would get them particularly angry about some particular sin and complaining about the latest Netflix series. Other online platforms are available. And then get them really worked up that other people don't hate it as much as they do. And if that normal stuff that gets them distracted didn't work, I would get them to start comparing themselves with other people. Semi-jokingly, I might even propose a new presbytery plan. So I would try to divide and to distract and lastly, to discredit their witness. I'd get them focusing on what they're against. I'd get them arguing about whatever it is that's annoyed them this week. And my goal would be to keep them angry and critical and judgmental and hypocritical, self-centered, self-righteous, easily offended and ticked off at the entire world. That's what I would do. And when you look around at that kind of strategy and what we see in the world, I think these are things that are being used against God's people, wherever they are. I think the devil is trying to divide, discredit, and distract. Ephesians 4.26 tells us not to let the sun go down while you're angry. So don't let the day come to an end while you're still harboring an offense against someone. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, this verse implies something powerful, that the day of your hurt should also be the day of your healing. The day of your hurt should also be the day of your healing. The same day that someone offends you should be the very same day that as the follower of Jesus, you work to bring reconciliation in that relationship. How different do you think our friendships would be and our families would be and the body of Christ would be if on the day that I offended you, I owned that and came back and said, I'm sorry, I was wrong, will you forgive me? Or the day that you offend me, I have the grace to choose to forgive you. On that day that we have a misunderstanding, we say, let's just let it go and move on together. How different do you think the world would be if on the same day of the hurt, we were able to work towards the healing. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry because you don't want to give the devil access, that foothold in your life, to divide, to distract, to discredit you from being who God is calling you to be. Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. How are you doing with that? Don't let anyone, sorry, anything unwholesome come out of your mouth. 
no belittling, no bad-mouthing, no criticizing, no gossiping, no name-calling. Don't let anything come out of your mouth except what is helpful to build other people up, to encourage, to be a blessing. Easily said, not always so easily done. Here are some things that might help. Don't call people names. There's no reason to put anybody down by calling them names. As far as you can, try not to raise your voice. Nobody's ever really been changed for the better by somebody yelling at them. And don't get historical. Don't keep going back in time to remind the other person when they did this or that. And definitely don't say, you always. Of course, there are times when we can be angry about the effects of sin in the world. Abject poverty, hunger, all sorts of abuse, and so on. And the Bible is clear that Jesus was angered by these things himself. And if our anger, like his, makes us strive to make the world a better place, then it can be positive. However, if we are honest, most of the time we get angry, it's not like that. Anger, most often, is a destructive force. And we have to ask ourselves if there are other destructive forces in Scripture that we would consider calling righteous, because we like to justify our anger as righteous anger. I mean, have you ever heard anybody talking about righteous greed? I'm going to eat this whole leg of lamb to the glory of God. Never heard anyone say that they're battling with righteous lust. Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. It's as if Paul was determined to close every loophole, saying that every form of malice, along with rage, bitterness, anger, brawling, and slander, I don't know what else is left, they need to go. All of it needs to go. He doesn't say be arrogant about your moral superiority. He doesn't say be critical of everyone who thinks differently from you. He doesn't say be harsh because you're dealing with idiots. What he says is, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. We are to get rid of anger and slander and malice, and instead we are to be kind and compassionate and forgiving. And that works best up close. Of course you can slander someone from a distance, and you can ask for forgiveness from a distance, but it's better up close. You can be compassionate from a distance, but it's better up close. It's really effective to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry as we get to know people and get into their world, to understand their hurt, to understand their fear, to have compassion for a different way of thinking, instead of trying to be right all the time, and therefore forfeiting God's call to be loving. Are we not better than that? We need to get close. When's the last time that you listened to somebody who is totally different from you and just loved them, even although they are totally different from you? Be kind and compassionate. It's easy to hurl truth from a distance, but being kind and compassionate takes time. It takes work and effort to love somebody up close. 
I have a friend, an acquaintance, who is one of those people. Sometimes unbelievable in comments that are made. He's always right about everything, absolutely everything. He's right about how church should be done. He's right about what kind of theology is right and, and, and what all the other churches are doing wrong, including, of course, me. Uh, he, he knows how everybody should spend their money, and they're all a bunch of idiots except for him. He's right about how everybody should raise their kids. He knows what the government does wrong. He knows what political parties do wrong. He knows the truth about COVID and all that. He, he, everything. And it can be wearing. But there is something of that in all of us. And that's why it's incredibly important to pray what I think is a really dangerous, potentially humbling, but really God-honoring prayer. And it's found in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It takes courage to pray that, to say to God, search me and know my heart. See if there's anything offensive in me and lead me forward. God Show me where I'm arrogant. Show me where I'm judgmental. Show me where I'm self-deceived. Show me where I'm harboring anger against a group of people or an individual. Show me where I'm carrying an offense. Show me where I'm not being kind, where I'm not being compassionate, where I'm not being forgiving. And God, help me to get rid of any anger or malice or slander. Help me to be kind and compassionate because I don't want to give the devil any access to my heart, to my relationships, to my children, to my friends, to my church. Because I know that if I live in anger, I'm simply giving him a foothold into my life. And we need to remember that the devil wants to divide, to distract, to discredit, and to destroy because he is the father of lies who has only come to steal and destroy. We know that being offended is inevitable. But because of the grace and the goodness of God, living offended is a choice. And in the same way that we've been forgiven, we need to choose to be more forgiving. Because our lives are never better when we live with anger. Every moment that we are angry, we lose joy. Every moment that we are angry, we lose peace. And so we need to try with God's strength and God's help to live differently. The Bible tells us that if we do get angry, we've not to go to bed with it. We've to get rid of it in that day. And not give the devil a foothold. As followers of Jesus, we have a higher calling. And we're not just to shout truth from a distance. We have to get close to people. To share God's love. 
in all sorts of different ways with other people. We have to be kind and compassionate. We have to forgive others as Jesus forgives us. And if we can do that, we can keep the devil out, we can keep the spirit in, and we can make a difference in the world. A divided world needs a united church. And a dark world needs a church full of the light of God. We're not here to make a point. We're here to make a difference. And we make that difference through the love of Jesus. Amen.